0: Hello and welcome to the Fit Professional Podcast, the number one podcast for fitness professionals looking to build their fitness business. If you're after more clients, more income, and more free time, then you've come to the right place. Visit podcast.fitprofessional.com.au today. Hello and welcome to another Fit Professional Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Campbell, and today I have another special guest with me, another industry-leading expert. Um, by the name of justin Tamsett now you may have heard of him if you 're in the fitness industry, you should have heard of him if you haven 't heard of him, you will have right now um, and you 'll go and investigate a little bit more about this gentleman after we finish this call. no doubt. so let me give you a quick little introduction um, as to who Justin is then we 'll uh, we'll let him come on in and uh, see what else he has to say about himself <laughs> so uh, justin he 's a recognized worldwide um, thought leader who challenges the status quo for the fitness industry. Um, he's a solid, highly sought-after speaker um, because he shares practical ideas that can basically be implemented immediately. Um, he's presented in over 15 countries and has hundreds of clubs who are members of active management um, that receive monthly education that will improve their business. So, Justin, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule and welcome to the Fit Professional Podcast.
1: Thanks for inviting me, Brett. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Excellent, mate. So um, I guess a couple of things there, Justin. Now, you, you've probably got some really interesting um, things about yourself, that uh, obviously I, I didn't pull out of the sky there. Um, so firstly, Justin, give us a bit of a background about um, you know, who you are and also a little bit more about what does active management do um, and how does that help the fitness industry?
1: Yeah, okay. Um, hmm. Let's start with my background. Uh, probably like 99.9% of the people listening to this podcast, I was once a personal trainer. Whether that be a good thing or a bad thing, Brett, I'm not sure, but I was one.
0: And, um, did you, I have a question for you, Justin, sorry to interrupt, but did you, were you a personal trainer in the bum bag era?
1: In the what era? era?
0: In the, the bum bag or the fanny pack, whatever they call oh, it. Oh yeah,
1: was I? Uh, no, I was before <laughs> the bum bag. I
0: was. Oh jeez.
1: I was a personal trainer in the parachute material tracksuit pants, where you <laughs> tucked your pants into your socks. Oh
0: nice. We, yeah. we need to bring that back.
1: Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> we
0: don't. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, go ahead, go ahead, I'll interrupt interrupted there.
1: So, I actually started as a gym floor instructor while I was at uni, and um, I read a book which I, I recommend to most personal trainers to read, which was called Going solo, by Do- du- 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 Going solo by Dr. Douglas Brooks. And it was a great book, it sort of inspired me to become a personal trainer. Um, it didn't tell me a couple of things like cancellation fees and coming up with a good name for your business and all that sort of stuff, but I. Um, I launched a PT business and pretty quickly worked out that personal training really wasn't my bag. I didn't gel with my personality style and I'd worked out that I love the fitness industry, but just not as a PT. Because um, I, th- I think it takes a really, sp- and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but a really special person to be a personal trainer and a very special person to be a great personal trainer. And it just, Mm. that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I ended up moving back to gym floor and then from gym floor into sales, sales into club management and then club management into owning one club and then uh, owning two clubs, then owning one club and now currently owning no clubs. Um, (laughs) I, I like to say... Uh, I was, or I like to think anyway, which means I say whether people believe me or not, it's another thing. But I was an exceptional one-club owner and a shithouse two-club owner. So when I was growing up, and, and maybe even for a lot of the people listening today, it was it was almost an unsaid truth that the bigger you were, the better you were. The more locations you had, the more successful you were. So I was just under this belief that I needed to have thousands and thousands of members and I needed to have multiple locations. And this is back in the early 1990s. And looking back on it now, it was probably one of my biggest mistakes in business doing that because you can be just one club or one PT studio or a personal trainer and be highly successful. Um, I look back on it now and I go, it was all ego-based, ego-driven and opening two businesses was probably the biggest mistake I ever made or it was the best thing I ever did because it taught me that I didn't need to have multiple locations. I didn't need to do all of this to to be happy and to be successful.
0: Yeah, excellent, mate. Again, some some really good points out of there, and um, I'm going to touch upon those in a moment. But um, if if you just want to give us a little bit of background, then about um, you know what happened from that, I guess that moment when you decided you know PT was no longer for you to now um, doing what you're doing and and educating um, you know thousands of personal trainers. So where was that? What was the segue from into that?
1: Well, I guess. I was I was at uni learning to be a, a PE teacher, um, and I kind of I really enjoyed teaching. I love teaching, and the difference for me was when I was teaching in a gym as a gym instructor or indeed as a personal trainer, um, people wanted to be there, and they pay me money to be there. Whereas when I was at a, learning to be a school teacher, I'm like these kids don't always want always want to be there, or not all of them want to be here. Um, and certainly, the abuse that you cop from a client or someone on the gym floor is is, is lovely abuse as opposed to the abuse that you sometimes cop as a, as a school teacher. And I, I take my hat off to to school teachers and nurses because I think they've got the toughest jobs in the world. And it, mm-hmm. as at that point, I kind of went, well, no, I I, I want to work in the fitness industry because it's a more positive environment. And then it took me fifteen years before I worked out actually. I really do like teaching. I, I like learn. I like learning myself, and then imparting that knowledge that I've learnt to others. So it was uh, about seven, ten years ago now that I started uh, working part time as a consultant and presenting. And then in the last uh, five years, I've been doing it full time. So my job now basically is to uh, study consumer trends, study business trends outside the fitness industry and translate that information, the business or the consumer trends, translate that so it's relevant to our our industry and then impart that knowledge to personal trainers, club owners and staff of of health clubs. Does that make sense?
0: yeah yeah totally so so basically what you're doing is is um you're you're being the what uh the warren buffett um of shares where you you're trying to forecast what's going to happen and you're letting all of the trainers and and every all the business owners in this industry know where I guess the industry is heading is that what you're you' meaning
1: pretty much yeah that's that's pretty close to it um i I don't necessarily like sometimes where the industry's heading, and, I, and that's why I try to challenge the status quo of what we currently do in the industry. And I see a lot of, um, which I don't have a problem with, by the way, but I see a lot of copying of, of businesses, and I kind of think, well, if I've got a fitness business, say I'm a personal trainer, and I'm looking at a, another personal trainer in my area, and I see they're successful, so I start to copy everything they do, I only yeah. get as good as that personal trainer. So my job that I like to look at is what's happening outside the industry and then can our businesses subscribe to those strategies or techniques that other businesses outside the industry are using? Because my view is if we look outside the industry, we actually will grow the industry. If we keep looking within the industry, we only get as good as the industry.
0: Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree with you more on that point. Um, Let's, let's talk about consumer trends then, because I'm actually really interested in that myself, and, and it's a question I always ask, you know, every guest on, on the Fit Professional podcast, um, where they see the fitness industry heading, but, um I guess you're someone who's, who's at the front line of that, and, um you know, ha- would have the most up-to-date information, so, um let, let's get a world exclusive right now, on <laughs> and, Give us, give us your understanding of where you feel that the fitness industry is heading in the next 12 months or, you know, a couple of years or, or whatever your projections are. So,
1: Well, I think um, with the utmost respect to the fitness industry, I think, if you like, we've, we've got our, our our fitness business. It could be a PT business. It could be a studio. It could be a club. And let's call that a round hole. And then we've got our clients our potential clients the people the consumers that are out there that aren't using our product at the moment and they're a square peg and then we've got our business which is the hammer Um, it could be our marketing but it is our hammer and so that hammer hits away at that square peg until we get that square peg in the round hole does that make sense yeah but in order in order to get that square peg in that round hole we've had to chip bits away from that square peg by by simply the brute force of hammering it in. Now the problem with that is that that's no longer a square peg and there's bits that are now left on, around the table from getting that peg in that round hole and those bits that are around the table, they're the things that are critical to keeping our customer or our client. So if we had a square peg and we put the square peg in the square hole, then we've got a complete solution for our consumer. So my that I really see in our industry at the moment is we don't actually meet all the needs of uh, the consumer, today's consumer. We meet, let's say, 90% of the needs, but that's why we don't have 100% retention because we lose people because we've actually had, had made them mould into what our business is, whatever our business may be. It could be anything from the conditions of membership, the conditions of PT, um, your terms and conditions. And they're like, well, I don't like that. So I'll give you an example. There's a chain of clubs in Australia at the moment and they only offer monthly debits, direct debits. That's the only thing they offer. So if the consumers came in and said, well, you know what, I would like to do this fortnightly, they can't join that gym. And they only debit on the first of the month. So it's like, well, what if I wanted to have my debited done on the on my payday, which is on the first Thursday of the month? Mm. No, can't do it. So that, that's an example of of where I think our industry is. We've we've got our rules, we've got our conditions, and I absolutely respect that you need rules and conditions around you run your business. And we're not flexible, and I understand that, but I think we're we're too rigid and therefore the consumer is saying, well, this is too hard. So they either don't do anything or they go to a competitor, but I would hazard a guess most of the time they don't go anywhere.
0: Mm. Yeah, really good point there um, that you make around that whole thing of, you know, not willing to budge, and and I guess it's, like you say, it's it's that thin line, and and for someone who's starting out in the industry, you know, it can be like, well, what do I do, you know? Is it... um, do I do a monthly debit? Do I do a weekly debit, etc.? Um, or do I have too many options and then I spread myself thin? So, if, if you were to give someone advice um, on that, you know, well, what would your your main points be in regards to finding that that line of of you know too many conditions versus not enough? Well, one
1: of the consumer trends that is. Is is worldwide, not so much relevant in the fitness industry to to a certain degree, but it's certainly outside our industry is a, a trend which we call made for one, made for one, and with the increasing number of consumers who are, um, you know, trying to get through tired marketing, trying to get through um, if you like brand led mass customization of our product and they wanna arrive at something new or something unique, what they want is a truly individualized program. So they wanna feel that the personal training package has been made for them. It's not something that we take off the shelf. So that's often um, the way we explain it and the way we price present that and the way we go through the process to get them started so that they walk away thinking, wow, Brett has just made me an individualised program that no one else has. And if I feel that, if the consumer feels that, price doesn't become relevant and neither does the fact that you may have tipped away a couple of corners of that square peg because for the consumer, they're walking away going, you've tailored this specifically for me. Um, So for me, these days, you should be able to debit any day of the week, any day of the month. You should be able to debit weekly, fortnightly, monthly. It doesn't matter. It's what suits the customer and your your systems need to mould around the customer as opposed to the customer moulding around your systems. So that just means you know yeah. you've got to have a good you've got to have a good billing company, you've got to have a good CRM, um, you gotta you've gotta got take time out of being on the tools, as it were, like training clients and being able to work on your business around around the admin side of things and the better the software, the better the billing company, the less admin you're going to have to do, so yeah, you've got to pay for that, but to me that's an investment in your business.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, so let, let's, um, I guess, look for another example because I'm, I'm curious to see how this trend's, you know, going to be fitting within the industry. now. Taking away the direct debit as an example, what are some other examples that, um, that you're aware of um, that personal trainers, fitness business owners may fall into a trap of?
1: Well, I think one of the trends that is very apparent in the world at the moment is uh, what we call virgin consumers. Uh, so that's not richard Branson 's company <laughs> no, no, you 've got to be really careful these days when you say that because you 're kind of waiting for someone to go that 'll be a hundred thousand dollars because you use the word virgin <laughs> yeah that 's right um, so what a virgin consumer is is someone who 's never used our product before, and there's there's two scopes here. the first one is the the concept that they 've never trained in a gym before, they've never trained with a personal trainer before, so they're total virgin. Or we've got this other concept which is is called newism. And this is basically, and and you would know this especially, is that every day, pretty much every hour, if not every minute, there is something new being developed in the world. And what that means is it's no longer a, a marketing ploy to say, something is new or something is new and improved. When someone says something now, it's new and improved, that's really genuine and that's an exciting proposition for consumers. Mm -hmm. So because we've got so much new stuff, new programs, new opportunities, we have a lot of virgin consumers. So with a virgin consumer, we have to really go back to the basics of what our product is, excuse me, what our product is all about And we've got to sell the vision around what that product's going to deliver. So we've really got to peel everything right back for the virgin consumer. And what I don't see in our industry at the moment is that. I see what we're doing is we're actually not peeling anything back and we're progressing further and further, which means in our marketing that we're doing, we're seeing... um, a lot of jargon and a lot of industry technical words used, which the consumer says, gee, I don't understand a thing you're talking about, so this is too hard for me. I'm not interested. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Oh, look, 100%. I mean, I've I've got many examples on that, and one of them is, is, um, you know, back probably about three years ago when I ran a um, a seminar to to a whole heap of um, gym members, uh, and... The, the actual product itself, so what I was delivering was, it was self-myofascial release, so SMR, yeah. um, which I, I know a lot of trainers who don't even know what that is, so how's the general public going to know what SMR is? Um, but how I named the seminar was it was how to increase your flexibility without stretching. So self-myofascial Perfect. release. Yeah, well, that's what I thought too when I wrote it. um it took me a while, but it the, the, the thing is, is that is exactly what they're going to get from what they're going to embark on so no, no one wants to know that they can um increase their fascia uh, or stretch their fascia by rolling on a blue roller or a whatever foam roller you know they want to yeah. know what's the end result so yeah i couldn't agree with you more on that and and it's it's a uh, um, you know it's a tough one when i see it because you know when we when i'm speaking on stage talking about marketing and and, um, you know, trying to break it down to its simplest form, that, that's exactly what it is, you know. So you, you need to be able to find the single sole benefit that this person is actually after. I um, mean, you know, I was just that, listening to a podcast earlier and, you know, they, they were talking about, um, you know, like purchasing a nice sports car, right? People yep. don't buy the sports car to actually have the sports car. They buy it to have the feeling of what they'll feel like when they're driving the sports car or to put their mate in it and go for a nice drive and go, hey, what do you think about that? You know, so you've got you to market to the benefit of that. So you'll see the TV app where, they, where they're driving, you know, it's like a, a nice sports car. I mean, you know, and, and they'll have it um, focusing to what their main benefit is. So you know they might see a hot chick walking past down the street when you're in your hot sports car, but while you're watching the ad you don't you don't actually click on that woman in the t v and the and the ad is there for a particular reason you know because it all yeah. it'll that excitement so
1: no look i i I agree with that hundred percent and I think as an industry we we probably in our marketing try to make ourselves sound really smart, really qualified, and at the same time, in an effort to give ourselves credibility, admittedly, but that just disenfranchises uh, some of our virgin consumers because they're sitting there going, what the hell is an integrated uh, nutrition and exercise program that boosts my metabolism? Yeah. Like, we know what it means, but the average punter doesn't. There's a great... um, A great example of this this concept um, was in uh in Brazil in twenty twelve and a uh a cruise company released an online game for consumers to win the to uh, have a chance of winning a trip on board one of their big cruise liners massive cruise liners and if you talk to anybody who's ever been on a cruise ship, they go. Love it. It's great. But if you've never been on a cruise ship, and I'm, not, have you ever been on a cruise ship?
0: No, I haven't actually. I was, I was supposed to go on one last year, but it was the one that caught fire. And oh, going. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good reason probably, not to. Probably like, yeah, lucky it happened then and not while I was on it. But well, if you talk to anybody that, that's, never, <laughs> yeah, that's never
1: been on one, they kind of go, oh, I couldn't think of anything worse being on a ship for seven, eight, yeah. nine, ten days with seeing the same people. And so what this company said was, well, we're, these people are virgin consumers and they're uneducated, so they're making a decision not to go on a cruise ship from an uneducated perspective. So what they did was they put together this online game, had seven levels and there were different challenges on each level, and the consumer would, the uneducated consumer would go on, they'd play this online game, and by the time they got to level seven, they were then in the draw to win a trip, but now they became completely educated about what it was like to be on a cruise ship. So then they could then decide whether they did or didn't want to go. And I think that's a great example of our industry because sometimes we do this really well, sometimes we don't, um, with trial memberships or, or trial experiences with a personal trainer. Um, yeah. People will say, well, I need to get fit to go to a gym first. What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but that's what they say. Yeah. Um, because they have this uneducated perspective of what happens with a personal trainer or what happens in a gym. And so this online game would be perfect. Or videos for people to ex- watch a video of what actually happens in a gym and for somebody to sit there and go, I could do that. I could do that with a, with a personal trainer. That could be me. And that, that kind of now makes that virgin consumer pull back a little bit, back to the basics and go, I can do that. I'm, I'm interested now because I'm a bit more educated than, than I was five minutes ago before I started watching that video.
0: I think just the, just the biggest issue that I see with many personal trainers um, is you know, not the fact that they're, they're not good trainers, you know, they can certainly deliver on the service. And I'm sure if we use the cruise ship, you know, once you get on the cruise ship, it's it's amazing. You know, it's like yeah. once you watch a TV program recommended by your mate, you're like, wow, that, that TV program's great. You know, but yeah. your, initial, your initial thing of, oh, I'm not sure whether I want to watch it or not. What we need to do as personal trainers, I believe, in the fitness industry is how can we lead these virgin consumers to the front door? So they, what we need is I know for a fact in our business that if we can get someone to our front door, we have then got them into what we'd call I guess our marketing funnel or their client journey because we know that all we need to do is get in front of someone and our product and services will sell themselves. So we we don't even need to sell our product and services and that's what I think a lot of personal trainers really struggle with is how do you get people to your front door? So. Let's ask you, and what, what's your opinion on that? And how would you, or what are your best methods that you've seen in the fitness industry that work, um, that you know can get these virgin consumers to your front door, so you can then construct and deliver a fantastic, you know, client service.
1: Well, I think the the biggest the biggest problem with marketing in the fitness industry is that we are marketing like we used to market. Five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, certainly probably five years ago, which is um, we put a message out, we put a brochure out, we put whatever marketing piece, advertising piece we want, we put it out there. And we say, well, who's this targeted at? And the personal trainer or the club would say, everybody. And that to me is the biggest mistake you can make these days. That worked five years ago. You could put a marketing piece out, you put it in a letterbox and... It could be, can have no specific target market. However, I think these days the consumer is far more savvy and they want a message that's directed to them. They want the business that they're about to spend their money with to understand that they have an issue or they have a problem and that that business can solve their problems. So five years ago we used to be able to say how grand we were now we've got to say how grand we, we're prepared to understand what your problems are and our, that we have a solution to your problem. And the, or the example that I often use is, and this is not meant to be sexist at all, but I use women as a, as a classic example. And a working woman and a non-working woman of the same age have two completely different needs. A working woman who has Um, children in daycare has completely different needs to a working woman who has children in high school or in primary school. A working woman who doesn't have kids has completely different needs to the other four groups of women. So there are some core needs, sure, but each one of those has different needs. And so if we were marketing, we really need to decide which one of those target markets are we after? Because if we just say we're after women in general, then the women in general are going to say, you're not really talking to me, you must be talking to some other woman. So I think in our marketing, we've got to be more specific. We need to really nail down our target market in a marketing piece. Now, to me, that says, well, instead of getting 5,000 flyers printed, we only need to get... 200 printed and if we're going after five different markets then we get 200 printed of the five different markets that we're going after and we're still 4,000 flyers better off because we've only had a thousand printed so in in essence we can actually do we can spend less on our marketing but we can be far more targeted and I think that's probably where our, our biggest problem is is we're too generic in our marketing we're too let's hope everybody responds and as a result nobody does
0: Mm. And, uh, I mean, I'll touch on that point, and we've we've talked about this in several um, professional episodes, but it's, it's, you know, it's that thing, you can never talk about it enough, that whole thing of finding a target market. And what you just touched upon there, um, I think was was a very valid point in regards to even breaking down your target market even further in regards to instead of just having male and female, whilst that's definitely better than just having one um, target market of males and females, it really enables you then to become i guess what you would call a specialist in your particular area, so for example, if um, you wanted to uh, target um, you know corporate high level corporate females um, who are you know stressed out overworked and um, you know not in the best shape of their lives and that type of thing you you would then be able to construct a um, copy r- written um, piece of marketing using their type of terminology using their jargon appealing to their um you know their pain points of you know tr- a lot of travel because they may do a lot of travel being in that type of um uh, industry so you know one of your pain points would be you know you're sick and tired of traveling or living out of a suitcase you know because that's that's what's going on in their head in their head they're like Man, i'm sick of tra- being in every hotel living out of a suitcase do so you need to appeal to them as if you're having a conversation um, with them so what I mean is whenever they see your form of marketing whether it's a, a Facebook, ad, Google ad, um, flyers, posters whatever it may be when they see that they need to be able to go oh that's me You know, that, that's yes. exactly what I don't like um, and with that what it then does it allows you obviously like you said to hyper target these people and you know exactly where you can put your pieces of marketing um, so I guess on that Particular point because I know what will happen is there's going to be trainers there going yeah well I'm only just getting started and and I I want to train everyone yeah so what what's your reply to that to the trainer who's going well I, I don't really have a target market right now I just want to train people
1: <laughs> um, I say rip in and and just you want to get your hands in and get your hands dirty and I think if if I'm a brand new trainer you want to train everybody. Because you might initially think, and I'm sure you've you've met trainers like this, um and there may even be you know fit professionals out there who were like this, that as soon as they become qualified, they've had an interest in bodybuilding or their bodybuilders, and then they want to train other bodybuilders, and then they quickly work out bodybuilders aren't really interested in personal training aren't really great personal, reliable personal training clients or they don't want to spend their money on supplements, not on trainers. And so all of a sudden they go, oh, shoot, that's not the market I want. And so then they change. And I don't have a problem with them changing because I think it's actually really good that when you first start out, you train everybody because that'll help you work out who you really want to train, who you really want to help, what your niche market is. And I would suggest that, you know, Twelve weeks into you training people regularly you 'll know very clearly the type of client that you like to train, and then you 've got to make sure that that 's viable for you to run your business training those people if if it 's not viable to train um, people who have had a knee replacement in rehab and you go, well actually that 's too hard for me then you 've got to say okay well i need to, I need to broaden my scope and yeah. You know, sometimes that's a tough decision because if there's, if there's not enough people, there's not enough people. You can't make them up. Uh, so you might have to make that tough decision and go, well, well, I'd like to train people who have had a knee knee replaced. Mm. There's not enough of them, so I've either got to get out of the industry or I've got to find a bigger niche. And, I, you know, I think you just go to a bigger niche.
0: Yeah, I, I, I use the terminology. It's, it's a thing of being a jack of all trades, master of none, um, and 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 I've actually I'm ai have been a victim of that um, for many of my entrepreneurial years. Um, even as a even as a kid, actually, um, you know, like I'd always play a lot of sports and I'd I'd be good at a lot of sports, but I was never like that. I never had that edge to to be the the best at it because um, yep. I wanted to spread myself thin, you know, and then I found that type of behavior um, when I first started in business, you know, I wanted to train everyone, you know, I trained 18-year-old female um, all the way up to a 67-year-old man, um, you know, and, and it was that thing of I just wanted some clients at the time, but but what I, the biggest, and, I, and I'll use the word cataclysmic shift that I have ever had and the, if you were to look and pinpoint where in my business um, journey did it really start to to gain some traction and, and to go from being a solo personal trainer to a business owner, it was when I defined and clearly defined my niche market, you know, and, yeah. um, and it, it, it's quite funny because, you know, you still got to go through all of that. And, you know, when I was, when I was starting as a personal trainer, I was always told and always read that, you know, you've got to find your niche market and, and at the time, I was I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds all, all good and well, but, you know, what's the process? And and I think if we were to look at some, um, you know, let, let's, I guess, look at this a little bit deeper and give that person out there who would be listening to this going, well, yeah, I'm in that exact same boat now, but I don't really know what to do. So I'll start with you first and, and I'll put you on the spot. What would your um, advice be for someone um, who, they they have an idea of the niche market, um, but they're not too sure what what way to take it. What would you say, there, mate?
1: Well, my view is you're going to get nowhere sitting on the fence. So if you think you're you think you know your niche, then you just got to jump in, and and put all your heart and soul into that. And I think you use the phrase "be known as the expert in your community in that area." Um, and the beautiful thing about social media um, and Facebook and Twitter, those sorts of components of social media, is it does allow you to position yourself as an expert pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. You know, you just got to blog, you got to put your Facebook status updates that focus on that niche, um, and, and that allows you that positioning pretty quickly, uh, word or spread. So I think that's the first thing for me is that if you if you want to, if you want to do rehab, fine. That's great. Mm. Put your heart and soul into it. If you're just sitting on the fence, and you're not quite sure whether that's what you want to do, then you'll get clients who aren't quite sure whether they want to train with you or not.
0: I guess just on that and, and on that point as well is, you know, going back to to my um, story of being a jack of all trades, master of none. What it does, as well as on another underlying level, is that. When you are spread over many different areas, you can't become the expert because you physically can't sit there and learn as much material as you can about every single part of the industry. So an example is for myself. Now, I love business. I, business is my thing, um, you know. But inside business, there is many different levels that um, obviously make up a business, as you'd know, um, and, you know, consumer trends being one of them, which I have to say I spend no time basically looking at. Um, yeah. However, that's why there's people like yourselves who have been able to carve out a niche to fill the void that I have when it comes to that. So it, it, I would rather spend my time learning about marketing and systems and strategy. That, that's where I am an expert at. Now, and that's, and that's,
1: your, that's your level of interest. That's your, the thing that interests you most. And so when you get out of bed in the morning, it's like, you know what? I'm driven by learning about marketing. So mm. again, with the trainers, the first thing they have got to think about is, what am I driven by? Because if I'm driven by um, taking people through rehab, if that's what really drives me, I, then I'm going to be depressed if I've got to work with overweight people or vice versa. Yeah. You know, I think carving out a niche is one thing, but the niche has to be something that pushes your buttons.
0: Great point because I, this is a question I ask myself, and I ask people to ask themselves to find their level of passion with what they're doing. Now, the question I ask is would you get up at 3 a.m. to go and do your crust, whatever it is that you're wanting to learn? And an example is this morning. I got up at three a.m. and I don't do this every morning, but we're we're in the middle of creating a product um, that we're going to be releasing before Christmas, Um, and I know that there's a lot of extra work that needs to go into this. So I was up at three a.m., straight to the office, um, and I'd been I was able to put in you know five solid hours before anyone even got to the office. So I'd I'd pretty much done a day's work. Um, Yep. And this is Isn't thing, amazing how I, much
1: work you get done when there's no one around. Oh,
0: honestly, it's, it's, I'm really looking at the um, thing of changing tactics because before nine o'clock, no one even tries to reach out to you anyway. So you, you basically, that the whole trap of email that we find ourselves in in Facebook and that, like yesterday, I put up a post on, on my Facebook page um, and it was basically about me going into hibernation for three days.
1: So I, I saw I, that. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah.
0: So I'd made a, a decision that I'm going into hibernation for three days and I'll check my emails, you know, once a day um, and I'll check my Facebook once a day. Um, and I tell you, I, I got more work done yesterday than I probably have in the last week. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I guess this, this call right now was something that we had planned. So this is, you know, I guess a good break for me because um, yeah. I don't see this as work at all. This is I, I could talk about business and strategies all day, um, every day. Hence the reason why I started this podcast because I just love talking about it um, and sharing, you know, the knowledge that I've been able to learn and and the knowledge of others as well. But it, it goes back to that question: Would you get up at three AM to do it? Now, I hated, and I'll use the word hate because I literally started waking up feeling ill when I was still doing five thirty AM personal training sessions. I, even when I got my charge out rate up and I was, I was earning. Money for, for the time spent, it just was on an emotional level, it just was not making me feel complete. I didn't enjoy it. And the reason why I got into the fitness industry is to be able to en- enjoy what I do and live a lifestyle that I want to live. Um, yeah, now the funny thing was, is my excuse back then was I'm sick of getting up early, like, I was like, oh, these early mornings are killing me, you know. And then, all of a sudden, I'd book a trip to Bali and we'd be up at four o'clock and heading to the airport, I'd be bright as rain. Then I realised, obviously, it was, it had nothing to do with the early morning getting up and it's cold and, or it's, you know, I suppose not too bad up here in Queensland being hot every day, but, you know, I discovered that I was doing something that I wasn't enjoying. Um, and, you know, for the people listening who are in full-time jobs still, you know, and, and I've coached many of those and I'm sure you have too, People who are in a full-time role right now, doing their nine to five, and they're just sick of it, and They want to get out of the industry. You know, ask yourself the question: Would you get up at three AM to do do your job? And if the answer is yes, then you're doing the right thing.
1: That's exactly right. You know, I I think you've just nailed it there and there, and that's a great message for for everybody on the on the podcast. Is would you get up at three AM to go to work? And if you would, then you're in the right job, or you're training the right clientele then yeah, but uh, if you're still thinking, oh, I'm not sure, yeah, it's a tough one.
0: Yeah, and no, I think that, that lesson right there, like you said, can be encapsulated over so many different areas of your life, you know, are you getting up at 3am, do you love seeing your partner next to you in the bed, if not, get rid of them, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I won't get into dating advice but, you know, you can could, you could take this over into every aspect of, of your life, Um so even if you're you're getting trained by a PT, you know, if you're going, oh, I'm not really looking forward to it, well, don't do it, you know. Find something that you do enjoy. Go go do aqua aerobics or go and do you know, pole dancing. There, there's something out there that will fit your needs. So. All right, there's so... Um, a,
1: there's, a, there's a great book. It's by um, Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, and if anybody's heard me speak, I'm, I'm a real fan of him, and he's written a book called uh, Start With Why, and I would encourage every all the fit professionals on the podcast to read the book. Um, and if they're not interested in reading the book, then go to Google and Google him and there's a video that goes for 18 minutes. Um, and watch the video because what that what he talks about there is what we're talking about now. And that is having a clear understanding of why you went into the fitness industry, why you choose to do what you do. And what Simon Sinek says, which I think is, well, I think is absolutely spot on, is people don't follow you, like you, want to be your client because of what you do. People like you, follow you and want to be your client because of why you do it. Mm. It's not because of what we do, it's because of why we do it. And so I would encourage everybody listening to the podcast to read the book or watch the DVD and sit down themselves and analyse why they chose to be a personal trainer. And if if they can clearly articulate why they chose to be a personal trainer, that will be a magnet to their business. That will attract customers and clients like they've never seen before. But if they say, I chose to be a personal trainer because I'm passionate about health and fitness, which is what most personal trainers say, I challenge them on that and say, okay, well, why are you passionate? So it's a deep, Reason on why, and I think if you, if the guys listening would be prepared to do that, they will a be a super successful personal trainer, and b they won't have any problems about getting up at three o'clock in the morning to go to work.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree with you more there. So that book again is from Simon Stinek, um Start with why. So um, I'll yeah. be certainly checking that out, and if he's got an audio book, I'll be getting that first. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, he's got there's, there's definitely an audio book and there's also um uh a video. The the video goes for eighteen minutes and it'll it tells ex- everything that's in the book as well.
0: Excellent, perfect. So let let's change tack there a little bit, Justin, and um get into a little bit more about um, you know, I guess things that you've learnt in the industry and big lessons that, that you've taken away that that you think would save um the professionals and business owners listening now, um, the the heartache of having to go through it. So, what was one of your biggest business lessons? I know you mentioned it at the, the start of the episode. It was, um, you know, not having two um, gyms or one gym was better than two, et cetera, For yourself, what what sort of other business lessons do you have there, or did you want to elaborate on that one a little bit more?
1: No, no, no that one. I'm happy to leave it at that. Um, the uh, probably the biggest lesson that I learned. Um, around business is to have a work-life balance. Um, I worked, similar to you, entrepreneur. Uh, If you asked me if I was working, I would say, no, working's like, you don't don't like doing what you're doing. That's work. I love what I do, so I don't consider it work. But your body doesn't quite think like that. (laughs) And it's imperative that you take time out it's imperative that you turn off it's imperative that you recharge your batteries um for your own health's sake and I learned the hard way i've got i now have a chronic self um, stress induced illness and that was simply because I loved what I was doing and i didn't consider it work, but my body was telling me something completely different so my real lesson around um around work and around particularly in our industry because we just <laughs> we just love what we do so much, is that you, you, you've you got to take time out. You've got to take time out. You've got to celebrate success. Smell the roses when, you, when you've when you had success. Um, when you finish off at the end of the day, you finish off at the end of the day. Um, for personal trainers, I, I think a really important course to do um, is like a counselling course. Not to learn how to counsel clients, because I don't think that... We need to know that. But you need to go to a counselling course to learn how to leave all the things that you've been told by your clients that day behind and not carry that baggage into your own life, if that makes sense.
0: It actually, actually makes a lot of sense. And it's to be perfectly honest, I think that's probably the time that I myself have um have actually heard that as a recommendation. But the more I think about it, the more I... I think it should almost be a necessity, um, and, and actually a part of, of everyone going through, um, you know, a qualification because you're so right. There's so many times that, that, uh, you, you'll be like, oh no, I've got Mary tonight at seven o'clock and, and she's going to tell me another, you know, life story and, you know, whilst, whilst I still care for her and I'll, I want to make sure she's okay, I, I'm just sick to death of hearing about it. There, there does, you know, there has to be a way for you to be able to express that side of it. Um, so, I think that's a um, that's. A, I just had an aha moment there myself, mate. So,
1: oh, excellent. But I think, you know, and I do. I think it's really important because um, we're not counsellors, so I don't think we need we don't need to learn to counsel. We need for our own health. Because if Mary has just told us all about all the horrible things that's happened in her life. Um, and told us a life story for an hour or half an hour, however long the session is. At the end of that session, she walks away feeling bloody marvellous because she yeah. takes all the monkeys off her back, and she's plonked them all on Brett's back. And Brett's walking now with his knuckles dragging on the ground because he's got all Mary's monkeys plus David, John's and Peter's from the half an hour before. And then you go home to your wife, your girlfriend or your flatmate's, and they're like, how was your day? And you grunt and you groan. And your partner says to you, gee, since you become a personal trainer, you've changed. You're not the same person as you used to be. And you are. It's just that now you've got all these monkeys on your back and last thing you want to do is have a conversation with your partner at home. You just want to veg out, watch TV or do whatever. And it's, I think it's really important that we, we learn the skill of, of leaving work at work. Mm in the park or in the studio or in the gym. Um, and I think that would add to the longevity of our, of our personal trainers. They'd be, they wouldn't suffer burnout. Um, maybe it has to be part of the course, I don't know. But I, I, to me, um, that was my biggest, my biggest lesson, is that uh, work really is work. No matter how you look at it, work is work. Um, your body will needs to recharge.
0: Yeah, and again, tapping onto that thing of you know whether you do a a a counselling course, obviously for the learning perspective. Geez, I've got there. Crops. There's no editing either, so I'll I'll sound like a complete douche. Um, (laughs) So it it really comes down to that whole emotional intelligence and how much time you actually spend on working on yourself. Now we've talked about marketing, we've talked about business talked about how you can be a good trainer, you can go and do courses and learn all that type of stuff. But the the thing that a lot of personal trainers um, lack and business owners lack that I see is the emotional intelligence side of it, being able to just connect. Because what will happen is when Mary's telling you the story about you know something that's going on um, in her life, what that will do is... It will emotionally trigger, so it will trigger something within yourself and it could bring back a memory that you've had in your past or, um, you know, bring up an, a, a memory that you just, you know, thought that wasn't there anymore, but it, it is there. So it's about being able to actually clean out your closet, um, as Eminem says. You know, you need to clean out your closet and you need to leave it clean because whether and it goes it goes back to that whole thing of emotional vampires. You know, those, I've I've yeah. so many clients over my time because I literally would wake up on this oh, is how bad it got for me on a Sunday morning. I woke up one day and I was like, oh no, I've got to train this person tomorrow night at seven pm. <laughs> and I was like, I, I I started letting myself feel ill from that Sunday morning and thirty
1: you know, hours like, before you were going to train them, yeah,
0: correct. And I was like, what what am I doing to myself? You know, and that, that's where I guess, you know, you take from that journey of personal development and growth and, and how you can become a better person and that type of thing. Um, you know, that it was just quite amazing how we as human beings sabotage ourselves before, you know, something's even happened or we even know a certain outcome.
1: Well, that that's absolutely right. You know, that it, it's a very, very important point that you make. And I think as a, as personal trainers... We we love exercise. We love changing people's lives through exercise. Um, but I think, was, you may, maybe you know the stat, but there was a stat that came out of uh, IDEA in the US that I think it was like 75% of personal trainers, once they became a personal trainer, worked out less, and before they were a personal trainer?
0: Mm, well, I'm definitely in that. Um, I lost my passion for training when I began exactly. training. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and I was in the best shape of my life leading up to training. And then when I become one, I'm supposed to be a role model. I, I start letting myself go a little bit. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's that same thing. You just get... I guess it was more... For me, I, I started working in a gym and I just got um, sick of seeing the inside of the wall. So every time that... I had a free moment. I'd just get out of the place. Um, yep. Yep. You know, and you, you're so. I think that stat was actually 83.4%. Um, <laughs> don't don't quote me on that, but um, <laughs> it sounds like I know what I'm talking about, right? But so I think you you, you, did, you, did, you did right.
1: You know, and that's part of recharging your batteries. So, um, we just get so busy, and and when you're a new personal trainer, you don't want to say no to any potential client, so you say yes to everybody. So you're completely overworked. Um, and that first three months is really difficult. So if you're not recharging your batteries, you're not used to people pouring their heart and soul out in 30 minutes to you, um, and you're trying to market, and you're trying to keep up with the latest trends, it's a bloody hard job. And mm-hmm. so you've really got to take that time out, recharge your batteries, turn off your phone, don't look at Facebook. You know, It doesn't matter what screen you're looking at, that screen... ...drains energy from you and, and, and sucks it out. I loved your description, emotional vampire. The screens do that to you, and so you've just got to get out, um, go for a run, work out, re- recharge the battery, ready for the next day or later that day or whatever you're going to do. So, yeah, my biggest be- business lesson is, is just being creating balance and focus on that balance. And when you've yep. got that balance, the rest of the business will will prosper if you haven't got that balance. There's a big difference between being productive and being busy. And I'll take productive over busy any day.
0: Yeah, that's dead right. So uh, Justin, we're we're nearing the end of uh of of the episode today and I know you've you've got to go on and um
1: do stuff. <laughs>
0: productive. You got productive things to be um to go and do. But I I just wanna end with um, you know, one of your favourite quotes um and and what it means to you. Um I know you've probably got a dozen there, but what what, what comes to mind first?
1: Well, my favourite one that I finish all my presentations with is what you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others, Pericles. What all you... right,
0: and what does, what does that mean to you, bud?
1: Well, mate, that basically says, you know, it doesn't matter what my resume says... My resumes are relevant. Um, it's what what impact have I had on people's lives, and and yeah. what learnings have I given uh, that people can sit back and go, you know what, um, I got this from Justin, or I learnt this from JT, or, or something along those lines, that and that really influenced me. So, you know, I'm not too worried about what people want to write on my on my tombstone. I'm more worried that. I've created some change and some balance in people's lives so that they're happier at home with their partners, they're happier with their kids, they're happier in their business, wherever, whatever's important to them, that they're happier because of something I've taught them, worked with them on or something along those lines.
0: Excellent. And, that was a pretty uh, deep maybe... way to finish. Yeah, no, it's good, actually. It's got people thinking, you know. Just it's, it's, it's the Emotion is the driver to uh, taking action, you know, and and, uh, and I guess what you've just said there you know you've definitely had an impact on people listening today and um you know again like with every episode i'd I'd suggest you go back and listen to it 10 times um or at least twice um (laughs) because there's there's going to be a whole lot of things that you actually missed out of today's episode that um you know you probably didn't resonate with um whilst we were going through it but i guarantee if you go through it stop watching a movie for the second time you know you'll go back through it and and you'll get a new pieces i didn't really know that happened so um Look, let's let's finish on that Justin and how how can uh, our listeners here find out more information about you?
1: Look, uh probably the easiest place to go is our website um which is activemanagementmgmt.com.au activemgmt.com.au. Um when they go there, they can be they can Become a freemium member. They can become a premium member. Obviously, they pay for the premium, but freemium is, is free. They get information. Uh, so we really focus on sharing... Uh, you don't mind sharing. if I steal
0: that freemium?
1: No, you can use freemium if you like. Fact, I love that. In fact, anybody who's a fit professional can li- can steal freemium. I don't
0: mean um, that. That's gold. Sorry, carry on, buddy.
1: <laughs> so So, yeah, they can go on there and they can... You know they can get a whole heap of free information. I mean, really, what we do is we're sharing um, business briefings, we're sharing consumer trends, um, and other stuff that we've got um, to help businesses run better. Uh, but I guess they're the, they're the two main things we just look at: how we can manage our businesses better, how can we run them better, and uh, and how does that relate to what the consumer's looking for.
0: Excellent. One last thing that just popped into my mind. I want to test test how good you are. Um, let's give let's get your prediction for the fitness industry in the next six months, and we're going to get you get you back on in a future episode. Um, so, what, what what what's going to happen in the next six months that uh, we'll be able to to talk about in six months? And go, JT, you're the man.
1: Okay. Here's my prediction. In the next six months not much is going to change. (laughs) But the next 12 to 18 months, there's going to be some changes in our industry. We're going to see um, Les Mills bring out um, their programs that will be all video. So it'll be, for example, in an Anytime Fitness, currently you, you can't do Les Mills, but you'll be able to do classes on demand and there'll be Les Mills classes on demand. So that opens up, that then makes that 24 hour model more competitive with a big box gym for one of a better description. So that will be really interesting to see because Les Mills are already doing this in the US. If and when they bring that to Australia, which I would suggest it'll be in the next 12 to 18 months that they will do that. Um, so that will, that will be interesting. I think the proliferation of 24-hour gyms um, is going to be really interesting to see what happens. There's mm. a lot that are opening. Um, you know, there are multiple brands that are out there. Um, I'm not sure that they can all exist. No. I, I I think all the brands can exist, but I'm not sure that um, in one town or in one suburb you can have... Um, four brands of 24-hour clubs plus one or two independent clubs. So, look, I've got a client on, in, uh, in Western Australia, and in her town three years ago, it was her and the council facility. Now there's three, three 24-hour brands, two CrossFit clubs, plus her and the council facility still. And, like, that completely changes the dynamics. And I'm not sure that the penetration of people in that community has increased. She's Mm. got one of the better gyms, and so she's lost, let's say, 10% of her membership base have gone to these other gyms. So we're not really growing the number of people exercising sufficiently enough to make all these businesses viable, so I do think there'll be some rationalisation, a bit of a shakedown over the next 20, let's say 24 months. Um, and that concerns me because it's never good when businesses go close up. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and so I really think, you know, for me, if I was running a fitness business at the moment, I'd be really knuckling down, making sure I've got my expenses at a bare minimum, that I can run my business uh I know my numbers really well in my business, my finances, my financials, I I understand that. Um, I've got to work harder on my referrals because um, external marketing generally is is tougher these days so word of mouth um, and marketing and um, referrals are going to be key and there will be a storm so I want to have a plan B uh, in my back pocket if... Uh, If a competitor goes broke, well, what does that do in the community? Yeah, you might pick a couple couple of members, but then everybody says, don't join a gym because... Um, Or are these three um, smaller clubs, do they now become for sale? And as a personal trainer, I go, well, actually, I could afford to buy one of them and bring all my clients in. So it, it... It brings up a lot of interesting things. I don't think in the next six months there'll be a lot of change because we're going to go through Christmas and we know we've got a peak time from now pretty much through to April. But I think next winter will be interesting to see where our industry sits.
0: It certainly will be. So, uh, look, thanks for the prediction. We're definitely going to check in with that. And... um Once again, thanks a lot for um, taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, be a part of the Fit Professional Podcast. Um, I know everyone, especially myself, got a lot out of today, so uh, mate, uh, I wish you the best for the rest of the day, and uh, we'll be seeing each other in New Zealand at the end of the month, actually. We're both speaking at the uh, New Zealand um, FedEx Conference, so uh, if you're a New Zealand personal trainer and you're listening to this, make sure you come and listen to our presentations, because it's no fun talking to an empty room, is it?
1: <laughs> That's spot on, yeah, it'd be great. I look forward <laughs> to catching up with you there too, Brett. That'd be unreal. Yeah, yeah
0: likewise. All right, Justin, will you have a fantastic day.
1: No worries. Cheers, mate.
0: All right, take care.